0: Welcome to another episode of Power Move Makers. This series was created with a simple goal in mind. I wanted to bring forth high-level executives, successful entrepreneurs and just all around inspiring human beings, not just highlighting their successes, but more important, showcasing the road that they traveled to get there. Today is part two of an amazing interview with Mr. Dogchild himself, Rodney Jerkins. It was so great we had to bring him back for part two. So I'm gonna just jump right into it. Rodney Jerkins, as you guys know, is a super producer, um, Grammy Award winner, amazing songwriter, producer, musician. You know this guy's worked with any and every pop level mainstream success recording artist over the last quarter century. Rodney um bringing you back but i want to you know i want to start where we left off because i don't want to miss one piece of your story it's so amazing you were talking about mary j blige on part one if you haven't seen part one please i'm including a link below click on that i advise you to start there and then catch up to where we are now rodney
1: yes mary
0: sir j. Blige.
1: <laughs> mary j blige so so i'm so basically i'm in virginia beach with teddy riley
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: down there working with Teddy and the phone rings in this guy by the name of Hank Shockley calls. Um, I don't know if you all remember Hank Shockley, but he was a big part of Public Enemy and a and yep. and, and, A&R, and he's just a, a, a real a real dope dude in the game, man. And uh, he called me and said, Mary G. Blige is having a listening session tomorrow night. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday when he called, Sunday morning. Mary J. Blige is having a listening session tomorrow night at Quad Studios in New York. And at that time, I think that the, she loved the Gina Thompson remix, The Things You Do. So she was she was like, that's how she, I guess, discovered me. And she was like, I want the producer to come and, and, and play beats. And they were having like a bunch of producers there. And so um, so I went to Teddy and I asked permission. I asked, I asked Teddy, "Yo, oh, listen, man, I just got the call. Is it okay if I go to New York, you know, tomorrow, man? He's like, yeah, go do that. Go do that. So I literally hop on a plane, go to, go to Jersey, go to South Jersey in my dad's basement. That night, I stayed up all night, Sunday night. And the first track that I worked on was I Can Love You. Um, mm-hmm. Then I worked on Share My World. Then I worked on Can't Get You Off My Mind featuring a Locks. I'm talking about the beats. These are all just the beats that I was doing in one night. In one night, back to back to back. And I also did another beat that night. There's a song on the Money Talks soundtrack, the Money Talks movie with Chris Tucker. Yep. Mary and I did a dream over. We did the song A Dream Over, and I did that track also that same night. So I had like five tracks that I felt real
0: confident in. And the next next day, you know. Let let me ask you before you move on. When you're making these beats, are you in your father's basement by yourself? Yeah, oh yeah. So you literally are by yourself. Where does this creativity come from?
1: I mean, I've always, you know said that my creativity comes from God. It can't be, you know, I I take things in inheritance, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you set up your, you're supposed to set up your children and your children's children, right? That's, that's, that's biblical inheritance. So if I'm, if I'm setting them up with inheritance, then that means I must be set up with inheritance from God Um, because in that inheritance for him, he's the creator of all. So if he created everything that we see around us, then what I do, this me making music, is a part of that creation. That's how I look at it, right? Um, Yeah, so I I inherited this gift from God. So I just feel like, you know, I could do it alone. I could do it whatever because God
0: is with me. So So. as you're making these beats, these beats in particular, do you hear the lyrics in your head or is it just the music?
1: Sometimes, sometimes, like sometimes it depends on, on what I'm feeling. Sometimes uh, I'm, I've always been the person who can write the course really quickly. The hooks always, the hooks always seem to come to me naturally really fast. So most of the times, if I'm, if I am working on the beats, I am kind of coming up with a hook right there on the spot, um, but, but in, 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 in this
0: I move forward and, and, okay. and I'm sorry, when, when, when you're creating these beats, Do you see them in color? Like, how do how do they when when, when you are hearing them or feeling them or seeing them in your head? However, you interpret, is it visual? Is it a feeling? Is it just a a a a plane a vibe that you get on? It's twofold. It's
1: twofold. It's a feeling first, Uh and 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 then it's it's the artist. Like, if I'm working on something specific for an artist, then I'm visualizing the artist, and I'm visualizing. What can I do to take them somewhere else? What can I do to add to their repertoire? What can I do to give them something that they can grasp and hold on to and be like, "Yo, I rocks with that." Gotcha. So, I, so you got to understand, as a, as a young a teenager, a teenager getting the opportunity to present music to Mary J. Blige. She's an icon already in my mind. She she did she did her first album, uh, My Life. I, I mean. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, 411 and and she did my life so she's already triple platinum here and there and all of that and she is and she is the uh in our eyes the queen of of soul r&b whatever you want to call it she is that in our eyes already i'm just a young teenager kid who's trying to trying to get my my feet wet and so i'm like this is a huge opportunity so i take it serious right and and my job always, or, or what I love to do, anytime I get a call specifically about an artist, I love to study, and I love to understand what makes that artist tick and move a certain way. So when I went back and started studying like 411, and and I I seen that yo know, okay, she loved she 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 had a bunch of break beats. She was taking a bunch of hip hop beats that rappers was was yep. rapping over already, and then she was singing melody on top. Okay, my life is the is the to me the progression of that more so like it's okay maybe not so much break beats but still sample driven right and then um and but her story is starting to change a little bit it's our story is getting a little bit more deeper on the lyric side so i take that all in account when i'm when i'm thinking about what i want to create and then um and so when i as i'm making all these beats that night i know the next morning i go to sleep the next morning and then I wake up somewhere in the afternoon because I got to get on the, on the, on the, on the New Jersey Transit to do that two and a half hour bus ride to New York. And when I get to New York to Quiet Studios, I know what I got in my back pocket. Like you know you you so know
0: feeling good about
1: it. I feel super super good about it. Like like if you got I Can Love You beat in your pocket, and you got that share my work share my world progression in your pocket. And you got a dream in your pocket, and you got you got those. You kind of have a feeling like, yo, I think she gonna mess with this. I think she gonna mess with this. And as I get into this this environment, there's all these producers sitting on basically sitting in the lounge.
0: Malik Do you Penelton remember who this. was
1: there? I, I want to say I remember seeing like Easy Moby B and Malik Pendleton, and seeing and seeing producers that I don't even know who they were, but she had them there, and they probably was there for a reason, they must have been dope, right? Right, correct. And as I'm sitting down as the young kid, mind, mind you, I'm, everybody's 10, 10 years older than me, if not more, right? Everybody. um, They looking at me like, who is this young kid coming in the room? I'm a teenager. And I could hear through the walls what music was was playing. I could hear it coming through the walls. So when, pe- when I heard the music coming through the wall, I'm thinking to myself, I'm different, and as I said in part one of this, you gotta stand out, you gotta be different. So I'm sitting, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely different from that.
0: Stay there for one second. Are you hearing their sound, and you're saying I'm different, meaning they're coming with samples? Yeah, with like like, 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 and like what I mean was, and what I mean
1: by what I was hearing to in coming through the walls, I was hearing, what I heard was, Producers playing tracks that sounded like they needed to be on the on on the 411 album, or producers playing tracks that sounded too spot on of what already had came out, whether it's My Life or 411. And so, in my mind, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, I've always I've always felt this even as a young, and I always felt that artists never want to keep going; they don't never want to be where they are. When you work with an artist. They want to keep evolving. They want to go to the next level. So you have to you have to try to take them somewhere else, right? So, um, so as I'm sitting and listening to things playing through the wall and a producer comes out and another producer goes in, I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, my confidence is growing. I'm like, I got this. And it wasn't that the beats that they playing was whack. Nobody's beats was whack. Nobody. These were all great, great, dope. Producers, right? Even that kid, I remember that kid. Um, what's his name? Was a was a young. Used to be part of Bad Boy, Young Blood, or something like that. Um, young
0: Lord.
1: Young Lord. Young Lord was there too. I remember Young Lord being in that in that room because we met. That's where we got. Young Lord. The first time. Yeah. But I remember like listening to these, listening to all these producers and listening to the beats, and I was like, Nah, nah, I'm different. I'm like. Get me, get me in that room. I just wanted to get in that room with Mary. That's all I wanted. That I wanted, I wanted to meet Mary, and I wanted to press play. And so it went around and went around. It it got to me. When it got to me, when I pressed play, I whoever was outside, I feel bad for whoever was outside because
0: oh, uh, like 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 you you set the tone nicely, but but I want to paint this picture the right way. In your I know you can't remember that day specifically, but in your mind, what number were you in terms of being a producer who went near to
1: press play? If there were, if there, okay, so if there was eight to ten producers there, I'd probably have been like five
0: or six. Okay, so you knew, you kind of knew five or six What, what, what they had in their pocket. By yeah, now it, you walking in, you feeling confident. What is the room? What is the feel? Is it dark? Is Mary in there? Like Mary, like, Mary right is Mary
1: Is Mary? It's Hank Shockley, and I, I believe Mary's sister was there. I can't, I can't. I believe Latanya was there, but I know it was Mary, Hank Shockley for sure, okay. and the an engineer, of course. And but I never heard Mary the whole time. I heard the beats playing through the walls. I <laughs> couldn't see it in the room, but I could hear it coming through. But I, but I never heard Mary one time. So when I got in there and and, and introduced myself and shook her hand or whatever, and I pressed play. Out the gate, I can love you. That's the first beat I played. Ooh. Mary was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I know everybody in the hallways is hearing her scream. I know it, right? So after that beat goes off, she's like, run that back, run that back. I play it again. After that beat goes off, I play the to share of my world, Ooh. right? So I play that track. I see her lean over and whisper to Hank Shockley. I see it while I'm playing the beat. I go, i play the next beat. i play the next beat. Hank Shockley comes up to me after that and tells me, oh, Mary wants you to stay in New York this week. She don't want you to lose. And basically the meeting was over. She, she didn't want to hear nobody else's beats. She was, she was good. She was done. And I stayed in New York. We went to Giant Studio. Myself, her sister, and I, we wrote I Can Love You the next day. You know what I mean? Then we did Share My World the following day. Then we did Can't Get You Off My Mind the next day. Then we did a dream. We remade that joint. Then I went back home. I cooked up another joint with my brother. We cooked up Searching, the Roy Iris sample. Brought that back to her. She wrote that joint, and then we recorded that joint at the Hit Factory. So, like, you know, I say that to say, in continuation of what I was saying yesterday, you got to stand out. Like, no matter what that crowd around you looks like, no matter how talented it is, everybody is talented in their own right, and everybody stands out in their own right of what they do. You just gotta make sure when the when the moment is time for you to completely stand out, that you're all the way ready. All the way ready. You can't be trying to get ready. You gotta be ready, period. Cause I that time, that. Is, that, time that time comes for everybody, by the way. We all get the opportunity. To be there. We all get the moment, right? Whether you want to believe that or not, we all get a moment. But if we wasn't ready for the moment, that's the moment doesn't look like a moment anymore. Time goes by. If we wasn't ready for it, time goes by. We look back and we're later 20 years later, but
0: like, I, I actually had the opportunity, but I missed it. So you truly believe, because there, again, there's somebody watching this. There's somebody going to be listening to this in podcast form. You truly believe whoever we are, Wherever we are in our journey, each one of us at some point in our life does get that moment. Now, what we do with it is up to us. But you believe Absolutely. that moment presents itself to any and every one of us. Absolutely. hundred percent.
1: Right. like right. Scared money don't make money, though. There you go. You know, what I mean, you could be in the elevator with somebody that can bring an opportunity to you. But if you don't, if you don't speak up, if you don't talk about what you, what you do and what your talent at and your gift is or whatever, then it's gonna keep moving. They not. It, it doesn't mean it's, it's. It doesn't mean someone's going like this. Yo, 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 yo. Which it ain't like that. What I mean is, it's always around. There's always someone or something around that can spark something in someone. If you don't take the initiative, like I said yesterday, to work your faith, right? Then it don't mean anything. It don't mean anything. It's you 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 you're as good as a tree. You as good as a tree. Cause if you're standing still and not moving, it don't mean nothing. But you got to move, move like the wind. So you got to know, like, okay, that this is an opportunity. Give me five minutes with anybody. If I if I see any smidgen of an opportunity, I'm going I'm going to take advantage of it. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm am 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 gonna make it known that that this is what I do. This is what I believe I'm great at. And maybe we should do something together. And then and let's see where that goes. You know, you got to bet on yourself. Can we pause for one second? Yes, sir. One second.
0: Sean, Sean, who going to believe in you if you don't believe in you? That's right. That, 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 that is the message I try to get across with every interview that I do. You have it. I don't care who you are. More times than not, you already have it. But people allow fear. People are so busy looking at somebody else's grass and saying their grass is greener than mine and they're scared to take that leap of faith or bet on themselves. I'm so happy you're bringing these points um, to the surface because it's something that I try to iterate every single interview. And
1: we we just saw, think about it, we just saw... Mike tyson changed form in the last couple months right before our eyes Absolutely. right and everybody's everybody's tripping on like man he's 53 years old he looked good he looked good hey it all all it takes for him to tell himself I need to get up and go to the gym that muscle memory is always gonna be there when he was younger he was telling himself that I need to get up and go to the gym I need to do this it's what you tell yourself if I if I if I told myself yeah, man, I'm, I'm just I'm gonna just lay in bed all day today. I'm gonna watch TV. What's that gonna do? But if I tell myself, yeah, I'm gonna go write me a smash today. If I put that in my mind, right? And that that power to have that belief, then that's gonna spark creative juices to flow. You gotta, you gotta sometimes um uh, David was a little warrior in the Bible, right? David's the one that king he he killed the he killed Goliath with a stone, with a rock, right? And everybody sees the story like Man, if 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 David was this big, and he I think he was somewhere around 13 years old, how could he kill Goliath? He must have been scared to death to, to go against a big giant. Can you imagine? I got I got a I got a 12-year-old son. Imagine if my son right now had to battle Shaq. Correct. Walks outside, and Shaq's like, yo, I want to fight. My 12-year-old would probably be freaked out. He'd be scared, right? So let me show you Let me show you what David's mentality was against Goliath. Peek this. He knew he had God, so he had no fear, right? But here, here's his mentality. Man, the bigger he is, the bigger that this this giant is, the easier the target is for me to hit. Ooh. All I, all I got to do is throw the stone and I'm going to hit him. I, don't, I can close my eyes, by the way. I can close my eyes and throw it and I'm going to hit him because he's just that big. That's deep
0: that's deep brother
1: and, and, and that's how you got to look at life right life is big it's right in front of us all i got to do is react all i got to do is what i do i'm gonna I'm hit it i'm gonna hit it out the park you just gotta you gotta believe in you first though because if that belief if that inner belief is not there then that's what needs to be worked on that's you have to tell you have to give yourself the motivation and drive. Yeah, I can inspire you, Sean can inspire you, but you also gotta be self-motivated. You also gotta be self-inspired.
0: I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And I will be making that into a segment just so you know when when I release this. Word. Okay, so you go with Mary, you cook up classics, what we now know to be classics. Before that, was Gina Thompson your first big hit? Well, did I was, you have any bigger? Yeah. I, I
1: was, I was buff I was, I had remixes out bubbling. Just so you know, I had remixes. Even Gina Thompson, the remix with Missy, I had a remix to that with with Craig Mack and Ray Kwan mm-hmm. and Mike. Hitty, I had, I had remixes even to that. I was, I would go. My father actually kind of, kind of started that whole thing. He would tell the record companies because they wasn't ready to believe in me just yet to put me in with their artists just yet. So my father would tell the record company, he was like, let him remix some stuff. Cause he knew I, I love to take a cappellas and make my he's like, let him remix. What you got that he can remix? And so I was remix, like I told you, I remixed Patty LaBelle. That's how I got in with Patty. I remixed Vanessa Williams back in the day. Like I would do remixes. I remixed for Puff, no one else. You know, so I had these remixes, and those remixes though, it created buzz. People internally in the industry be like, yo, this kid is buzzing. And plus, and plus, my dad, with his crazy self, he he put he put out a, a full page article in Billboard about this, basically the coming of this kid from South Jersey. He put he he bought a full page article. Your dad literally ad. bought a full page article. He bought, he bought a full page ad. He put hey. a full page ad in Billboard. And it basically was and it was basically highlighting about this me. It was a picture of me, and it was about this kid from Jersey who who's gonna change the music industry and take it by storm. That's what it said about. It. it said taking the music industry by storm, right? And people at first was like, Who are these clowns? Right? Like, like who are these clowns from South Jersey? Take it out of hand? Let me tell you though, you gotta be real bold to do that. You better back it up. That's and right. that belief that he had in me. You know what I'm saying? I just had to go and work hard to back it up, but it also created more buzz. It created more, because people then started to see me, and they'd be like, hold on, was you that kid that was in the billboard? Yeah, that's me. And they put two to two together, and and so I, Mary J. Blige, to me, was my first, outside of G, it was my first top 10 record. You know what I'm saying?
0: That was my first top 10. That was the one that solidified you. That we, was it? Yeah, like like and record execs are like, OK, we can bet on this kid right now. We can put yeah. him in with, might, with I, our major artists.
1: I might have had one other record out before Mary J. I want to say I might have had like Joe don't want to be a player or something like that. It was either before, or after, around the same, around the same time. Put it like that. And Joe went to number four R&B, and Mary went to number two R&B. Wow. So, like, so I had two that was bu- bubbling. So now they they starting to pay attention a little bit, like you know. And you got to remember who you work with helps make you, right? Right. So if you're working with a new artist, it's dope and, you, and you're and doing well, that gives you that buzz. But when you're working with an established artist that worked with Puff and worked with all these big producers and she's betting on you and you do well,
0: then they start to have trust that you can work with bigger artists. Okay. I want to move this along a little bit. Tell me two artists in particular. Where does Brandy fit in the picture? Because you had massive massive success with her. And That's also nice. on part one, you spoke about Michael Jackson. But we didn't get to dive deep. Is Michael Jackson in the picture at this point? Nope. He's not in the picture. I,
1: okay, I, met, him I him. met him. I met him. I met him when I was I met him when I was 17 years old with Teddy Rowley. Yep. Riley. I met him, but I, I haven't worked I didn't work with him yet. Brandy's next. So Mary J. Blige jumps off Brandy because Paris Davis, who was the A&R at Atlantic Records at the time. He heard my Mary stuff and he liked my Mary stuff. So he got a hold of me and asked me what I meet with Brandy. So I'm in LA and we at this spot hot spot back in the day called Georges. Yep. Me and my team used to go there every Friday night. And we there at Georges and Brandy comes there to meet us and it's loud, you know it was loud. So Brandy was like, "Let's go somewhere. Let's go to Jerry's Deli." <laughs> so we left Georges and we went to Jerry's Deli and just talking about her music, and I just started telling her where I would take her. Now, mind you, Brandy came off of I Want to Be Down. Yep. She came off that she was like four million sold. She was killing it. And and she was young and, and, and vibrant and just, you know, she was the new young girl on the scene tearing it up. And I was just, and I'm here, I'm, I'm young, but I'm confident, man. I'm just like, I, I would do this with you. I would take you here. Like, I would take you this, I would take you much more global, I would take you more, I'm just saying these things. And she cried, looking at me, probably this dude was crazy. And she's like, all right, well let's get in the studio then. That's what she said, she's like, all right, well let's get in the studio then. So the next day we booked Paramount Studios in LA and we worked five days in a row and all five of those records was on the, the Never Say Never album. All five? And all five, all five made the album. Now I think I wanna say like one of the first ones was Never Say Never. And Angel in the Skies, Learning Horror, All these made the record, and and we got into a rhythm. And I told I told Brandy, I was like, you should let me executive produce your album. She let me, and and, and she so was like herself right now. Yeah, I was. I, I don't know if I was just confident, man. I believe that. I believe that when you know chemistry is, you'll know it from day one. Mm-hmm. If you get in the studio and the vibe is right, then just keep keep going. Why stop it? And so, we,
0: stop on that point for a second. Okay. You spoke about chemistry. You have worked with all types of artists Spice Girls, Beyonce, um, Destiny's Child, Lady Gaga, just to name a few. How soon, when you get in front of them, you guys are vibing, do you know I have chemistry here or not? I, I, sometimes I can tell I can I can know it from even
1: meeting from a meeting from an initial meeting. Really? I it, yeah, I can know it from an initial meeting. Like, okay, I can be in the meeting and know, yo, this is gonna be special. Oh, I, is I, there I, ever a time I, when you know, didn't think that you had chemistry and and and, and got in the studio yeah, realize more, more times than I had more way more times than I felt I had chemistry way more times. Wow. Way more times. Way more times. And it's funny, right? I just sent a message to Mary J. Blige. Like two weeks ago, I just sent the message and said, my only regret in my whole career is not being able to produce a full album with you. Because I know I know our chemistry was right and I know spiritually we're connected. And that's my only regret is not doing a full album with you because I know it would have been special.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: And so going back to Brandy, right? So. It's, it's kind of, you just feel it. The rhythm is right. Five days in a row, five records. We created, I created a, a, a concept for, right? I said, we're going to make this a cliche album. So we went and bought a cliche book. And that's where you get the titles like Never Say Never, Learn the Hard Way. I put that on everything. All of these are cliches. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's how that that, that came to life. And and then I, I, I convinced her to let me executive produce it. I'm like, yo. Like l- let me executive produce this joint with you and, and and Paris Davison, you know, he fought for me at the label because I was just a new kid, so the label wasn't fully into me yet. They didn't know where I was. I, they didn't see the number one next to my name yet, you know what I'm saying, but Paris Davis went the back for me he fought he fought behind clo- closed doors some serious wars, like some serious serious wars that had my back, and I, I was then allowed to, to executive produce the project along with Craig along with Paris and Craig Kalman. And, um, and we pushed and and Paris Davis pushed me and we pushed each other and um, we pushed Brandy. And by the time I never forget, by the time the project was getting close to the end, I I was in New Jersey again, sitting on my dad's piano at his house and I was playing these, this melody and my father came in. He said, where's my tape recorder? Where's my tape recorder? He grabbed his tape recorder. That's a hit. That's a hit. And he knew how fast I was. Like, that's the only probably the downside of me is I create so fast. I'll just move on to another idea. Like, sometimes I don't stay on it. I'll just, I'll just keep playing. And But he was like, "That's a, you got to go work on that. I know that's a hit. So I took it down to the basement, and that was the boy's mind. And the boy's mind was this idea that myself and Paris Davis came up with that, whoa, what if what if Monica and Brandy did a record together? Because the, the, the rumor in the industry was they don't like each other. Right, correct. You know, the young girls tension against each other, fighting for those spots. So we put them on the same record, right? That could be something even historical and special. And so Paris went and did his thing and made it happen and got Monica on the record. And all I know is, man, all I know is when it entered the Billboard charts – it was number 27 on the, on, on, on the overall charts. And the next morning I woke up to check where it was at. It was number one. Then, well, oh the the, 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 so that's the, your first number it, one? First number one.
0: And that stayed on the chart for what?
1: And, it, and it jumped over my mentor because Teddy was number two. Teddy what? had had, he had the remix to I Get So Lonely out by Janet, which was number two. And the boy's mind jumped over that. You know, sorry, Teddy, sorry, Janet, I love y'all both. But it jumped over that, not allowing it to go number one. And when it went number one, the thing about getting a number one is you feel different because you you reached the top. You've you've made it to the goal, right? Don't want to be a player, didn't get there. I can love you, didn't get there. And this is the next one coming out. So you like, I hope this one, and then it gets there. Getting there doesn't mean anything. Let me make let me make this very clear to producers yes, elaborate, and elaborate, please. Getting there, yes, celebrate the moment, but don't stay in the celebration too long. What matters is how you follow up when you get there. Okay. And and I say that to say this: there's a big difference between the career of Buster Douglas and the career of Floyd Mayweather Jr. Absolutely. Celebrate the moment will only cost you to take another loss right after it. If you celebrate, if you stay in the celebration, like Andy Ruiz did against Anthony Joshua, correct, and you saw it because when he fought him the second time, he was way out of shape. He so mean, heavier, means- heavier than the first fight. That means he celebrated too much. So I encourage people: if you get to, that, if you get that opportunity to experience success in any industry, by the way. Don't celebrate too long because of that one moment. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to cheer on your team and everybody. But don't go back and regroup and say, let's continue. Let's continue to grow from here.
0: How do we take it to the next level? Stop there for a second because I want to highlight something you said a little earlier because I think it's very, very important for anybody listening to this. Paris Davis, he's betting on something that he knows, he knows in his heart, in his soul. Like you said, he went, you, you, you were not Rodney Jerkins at that moment. You were not this big, internationally known producer at this moment. But he knew he had something special. And he didn't just say, okay, the label doesn't know it, and I might lose my job behind it, and I'm betting on this guy, might, might have some serious repercussions. You have, when you know you have it, when you know something is right, a closed mouth do not get fed. You have to go and you have to, because I remember even in my own career, when I knew something was right or we should be doing something, I didn't. I was standing on tables. I was, bay- listen, y'all have to hear me. So I love the fact that you brought up about Paris, that he went in and he fought for you, even though the upper echelon of the company did not yet know who you was and what your um, potential was. So that's number one. Number two is a great point. I was going to bring it up later in the interview, but we might as well talk about it now. There's been no scandals with you. You you have been so consistently hitting it out the park. And I have watched artist after artist, producer after producer, songwriter after songwriter. They all, not going to say all, but most of them have something in common. They get to, 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 to that thing that they have always fought for. And finally, when they get that successful hit record, it don't. In your case, it went number one, but for them, it's just a hit record. It gets them in the clubs, you know. It, it, it gets them VIP. Now that they're being invited to parties they've never been to before, and they just celebrate too much, and they don't understand. So, so let me continue. So let me tell you. So,
1: so the boys' mind we've been in this COVID-19, would you say like three months, probably something like yep. the boy's mind was number one for pretty much three months. So as long as we've been, imagine, imagine being, having a number one on billboard for the whole COVID-19 so far, right? It was pretty much three months or something like 12 weeks or something like 11 or 12 weeks or 13 weeks, actually 13 weeks. So you can only imagine the egos growing inside of people right including myself growing inside of our team our camp the dark child crew brandy calling the 10 weeks can you believe we're still 10 we still number one like it's a lot the label doing things i'm experiencing things i never experienced before where craig calman is is getting me the the the, the, the penthouse suite at the peninsula in in new york and 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 getting Anything that we want for our crew and taking us to the fanciest, all these things started happening very fast, as you can imagine. You're getting calls from now all the executives that may not have checked for you two months ago. I'm not talking about A&R exec. I'm talking about the actual chairmen of companies, right? And and Which is another thing I'll talk about later, being smart and building relationships is, is key to everything. And it also helps with longevity. Um, and... I remember one day walking in the studio, and I had my whole team, my writers, my engineer. We all come in the studio, and everybody's just feeling themselves like, "Yo, we number one." It's twelve weeks that up, and I looked at everybody. I was like, "Yo, okay, the party's over." And everybody looked at me like, "Huh?" My brother. Everybody's like, "Yo, we got, we got, we got to follow up. We got to follow up like this. Okay, we got here now. Y'all don't want it to go away. Now nah, we got to follow up." We get we we got the attention of the industry. We got the attention of the of radio, but we gotta follow up. So now it's time we gotta go harder. We y'all thought I was crazy before this. Y'all really gonna think because I never slept. So y'all really think I was not sleeping. Now you you really about to experience why I don't sleep. And from that moment. We went crazy, bro. I we love went, that you said Yo, that. we went crazy. Like, there was times where, we, like, you could come roll to our studio and see the lights on at 3 in the morning and come back at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, the lights still on, come back. Like, it was it was go time. It wasn't no playing around because my whole mentality was we got to follow up. You can't just jab somebody
0: and, and not throw that hook. So we got to Let me ask you up. this. How scared are you in this moment? Or is it just pure adrenaline you you just so adrenaline. confident at this point you know yo i brought home a championship i know i can do this again and then i know i can three p
1: adrenaline my adrenaline was 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 rushing and my I, my my brain was full of ideas
0: so so and so so, so and you're and not, you're not the, the, the the fear of of losing it is that's nowhere in this 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 scenario right here no don't it's no, strictly
1: adrenaline I had no fear, and I, but, but I had ideas, right? And my ideas was, I knew that I, ha- I had developed my sound. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew the boy is mine. Sonically, I had found something that was a far gone from early New Jack Swing, far gone from what I was doing with Diddy and Gina Thompson and all of that. Even doesn't even sound like Mary. I was real good at giving an artist a sound. Right, but still staying true to my sound. I knew I found something. And so I was like, and I and I and I knew what it was. So the idea was like, okay, in order for this sound to go around the world, because you got to remember I wasn't an artist. So producers were still artists. Come A lot on. of producers were still artists. That's why you knew them. I had to start stamping my stuff. I started I started saying dark child. I started tagging it so people would know that I did it. I was gonna ask you where that, that name come from. That was my way to brand it. That was my way to branding myself on records. And I had the artist do it, or I would do it, whatever. Um, but but let me tell you what happened though. So the idea was this. If I just give this sound to one artist, it won't it won't translate around the whole world the way I need it to. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So like if I gave just that sound to Brandy and it does really well, like the boy's mind does really well, that doesn't mean the boy's mind does really well in Puerto Rico. So who's going to get, who can I work with that's going to make that sound translate in Puerto Rico? And here comes Jennifer Lopez. Who's going to make that sound translate in an older demographic, but in a diva form and the, and the biggest female Greatest female artist that I've ever worked with of all time, Whitney Houston. Who can I give this sound to that's used to doing ballads and we know her as ballads all the time? Tony Braxton. Who can I give this sound to? You think what I'm saying so? And now what happens is I have an army of people taking my sound and pushing it all around the world. I have an army, they don't even know they're my army. Absolutely. They don't even know they might, they, they literally, my all these artists are pushing this sound and it's going all around the world. And so now people are saying we need the dark child sound all around the world. Even when I go, I go to London to work with the Spice Girls. I go to, I go all over the world. They want, they want, I go to Japan where people don't even know I had one of the biggest songs in Japan by an artist named Hikaru Utada, And we did 10, and we did 10 million on it. Like people don't even know that. And it wasn't even English. It was all Japanese. But that's what happened. The army allowed, the army went out. And as they as these songs grew with all these incredible artists, it allowed that sound to grow around the world.
0: I should have asked you this earlier. When did you get your first big check? <laughs> and I'm you talking did- about that life-changing check. So you're talking about not a producer fee check. You're talking about like a, a publishing... Publishing, something where you... When you got the check, you had to stop. And you had to think to yourself, I'm a kid from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be holding a piece of paper with this many zeros on it in my name. When, who, where did that check come I, into play?
1: I think that happened when I did my deal with Tommy Matola
0: so so when that's I did, Jennifer Lopez
1: I, 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 I had yeah so what happened was I had did I had a publishing deal when I was 17 years old mm-hmm. and, and it was a, a, a beautiful deal check was lovely or whatever um, I was able to do things for my parents that you know I wanted to do, but I didn't look at that as like oh that changed my life. it changed our circumstance Correct. It changed our circumstance, um, but when Tommy Mottola, um, when I met with him to do a deal with Sony, and he offered me a a deal, that was the deal that I think that was the check that made me say, "Oh, whoa, whoa, wow! This is this this is this hard work really done paid off." You know, what I'm saying like, "Yo, this is crazy." I would stop you in your tracks for a second. Yeah, it definitely stopped me in my tracks, and 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 you know. And, and hey, but you know what? I could say I could say it was worth it, right? For what definitely was worth it. For them, it was worth it. Meaning the check that they gave was worth it. Mm-hmm. Or, or I could also say maybe I undervalue myself. Really? Well, there's two ways to look as, at it. As big as as big as that check was. Yeah, because there's two ways to look at it, right? When you get those big checks, the checks are so big, that, that check is so big, you didn't take into account to what the real value is. No one really did a valuation. You didn't treat it like a business and do a proper valuation. If I would have been who I am now, and I would have did a proper valuation, that check should have been probably three or four times bigger than what it was. Wow. Technically.
0: They
1: might they might have barked at him like, "Nah, we're not de- definitely doing that. But based off the success of Jennifer Lopez, If You Have My Love, based off the success of Destiny's Child, Say My Name, based off the success of Rock My World by Michael Jackson, then I could argue that that check should have been much bigger. You feel what I'm saying? So like, I know what those billings look like for those those records. I know what those records sold and all that, but I never, I, I never get upset at that part Because that's not who I am. I appreciate. I look at everything as a blessing. I'm like in that time. In that time of my life, that was a huge blessing. That was a huge opportunity to help push my career further. And another thing, another thing I will say, I'm gonna go back to this. After that check, after that check,
0: I ain't celebrate. Because that's okay. You, I think you're going where where I want to take you. What I'm saying is, I I I could have celebrated.
1: Excuse me. Um, what I'm saying is people that get checks like that, mm-hmm. they, they might go to an island for like two weeks to a month and relax. I've always had a mentality, as soon as I get a check, I'm working harder. I
0: still have the where, same Where does exact, that come from? I have so the this same is something thing. with so many people. We watch it with, with professional athletes. They win a championship. They finally get that belt that they've been working for. And they celebrate. How did you not do what so many musicians, artists, songwriters do, which is go get high, binge out somewhere, lose your mind, get caught up with 50,000 women. How did you stay so focused? Is that, you know, and you keep mentioning your dad in this interview, is it your upbringing from your parents? Is it just you were just that extremely motivated? Like, where does this self-discipline come from? And please break it down because somebody is on the verge of getting that life-changing check. And if you can give them any advice to keep them focused, please do. Yeah, I think, a couple of
1: things definitely. Definitely, the upbringing makes the, the, the huge difference. It made the difference in my life, right? It definitely, it definitely made the difference in having that, knowing what that, where that cornerstone was in my life, and knowing what that meant, and knowing what to turn to, um, and knowing that you know to to do things in the right way, tithe, and all those different things.
0: You so you do so, tithe? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. Oh well, yeah yeah, 100 percent. Um.
1: If I had to say that I had an inch of fear in those moments, the fear would be the fear to lose. It was, it was, never, it was, it was never a fear, a doubt in, in, in my music. It was never a fear a doubt in my music. The fear would, doubt is, the fear would be if I, if I celebrated too long and did that, then someone else would come up and creep up and take what I've been working
0: so hard for. That would be the fear. So you, my items. you were worried about protecting your spot. There you go. You so worked it was like, so hard to get there. I'm, I'm in the number one spot right now. I cannot take my foot off the gas for a second because if I do, there is now there's another young, hungry Rodney Jerkins right behind me. And if if he get that sec, if he catch me slipping for a second, now he got the number one spot. I've seen it happen to producers. I won't name names, but I've,
1: I've seen it happen to songwriters where I've literally had this conversation with a songwriter one time who was hot as fire, like literally running the game. And I literally, and, and then that writer said um, he wanted to be an artist. And I said, don't do it. Now's not the time. Don't do it. And nah, nah, nah. I just got my deals. I was like, nah, you want so Keep Keep pushing on the writing side. And soon as he went in the studio to focus on his artistry, another writer started working with all those artists that he was just working on. And it flipped. So I've always had that thing in the back of my mind, like someone's always coming for the spot. Someone's always coming for the title. So I I love boxing. I love sports. So I always use analogies of boxing. Like they always going to be someone training in the gym even harder than you are. Mm-hmm. You think you're training harder. And if you're celebrating, you're definitely not training, training harder. So somebody's going to come up on you. So you got to work even harder to protect that spot and evolve and keep it pushing. So that's where I think me, my thing has always been that. And it still kind of is that like, yo, if I get some a check or something that, that um, is great and that and does, does well for myself and my family, then I need to work harder. You know what I mean? I never forget Jimmy Iveen mean, told me this one time. Jimmy Iveen mean, said, I, I I had um I had told Jimmy I had did a deal with with Jimmy and I had I was renting a house and I and he says, "How's so, you know how are you going?" I said, "Oh, I just I I got this crib that I'm renting now." He said, "Oh, yes, house music. I love it. I love house music." He said it to me. And I looked at him and I said, "Huh?" He goes, "I love when producers get a house. When they get a house, they gotta work harder to pay that house, pay off that house. He said. So I love house music. That's what, the way he, call, he called it. That's house music. Gotcha. Yeah, because you because you don't want to leave as you grow, as you grow, you don't want to you don't want to get evicted from the house you're yeah. in. You don't want to leave the house that you that you got your family in. You know what I mean? You want to keep growing. So. I always look at that the same way, man. I'm like, man, it's time to it's time to tear this down. It's time to keep going. Like it ain't no time to to relax right now. We are not in relax season. You know what I mean? And so I encourage young producers. Like I tell them all the time, man, you got it. You just got to keep going. Don't stop until you find it. Keep going. Keep looking. You gonna it's going. You gonna catch that sound. You gonna catch that wave, But you got to go after it.
0: Do you ever experience writer's block or just creativity block where you just can't make a beat? I've only honestly
1: I've only experienced it, like once or twice. And in all these in my whole my whole my whole career and I've known how to, I've learned how to come out of it.
0: Okay, I've learned, I've learned how to come out of it. Why don't you speak to that because maybe there's a, a young producer who's watching this or a a veteran producer who's watching it who just you know,
1: they're stuck. It's the ultimate, the ultimate, ultimate power move. If you stuck and you stuck in your creativity and you feel like it's just not flowing and you you have like a writer's block and the, the creativity is not flowing, you have to tap into your creator. So the ultimate power move is the power of prayer. That's the ultimate power move.
0: I love the Once ultimate power move. The ultimate power move, and this is power move makers right here, and you are, you are the supreme power move maker. But the ultimate power move is
1: the power of prayer. Yeah, it's the only, it's the only thing that I believe that it, it, that can change something just like that. That changes, it can change the situation, change a scenario just like that. You can't do that on your own, but I believe, I believe prayer can do that. So. Whenever I've gotten to that funk where it's just like, I ain't got it today. Like, sometimes I, then I got to get on my knees because I'm not tapped in right with my creator because I don't believe I should have writer's box. If I'm tapped in, I should never have that. So that just means that either um, I, need to, I need to humble myself for a minute and take RJ out the equation for a second and put God first in it. And usually when I do that, every time that I've done that, I'm back on, like, boop, right away. Like, like...
0: Yeah, that's the ultimate power move, man. Okay. I love this, and that will be a segment. Truck, I got a lot of segments I'll be pulling out of this interview. Moving it along, because I know we're short on time, who's your favorite artist? Looking back over your entire career, your entire catalog, who is your favorite artist to work with?
1: That's a terrible question to ask me, because there's so many great artists, you know, but if I had to choose one, if I had to choose one, it would be Michael Jackson. Why? The goat, the the, the greatest of all time, um, the the artist that pushed me to the limit that I didn't know existed. I didn't know, I didn't know I could be pushed. The artist that um, that would would tell me to leave the egos outside the door, and 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 and, and create and pushed me in a way I always say Michael Jackson helped me in a way that no other artist helped me. I was so used to working with artists and giving them a sound and keeping it moving and going to the next artist and move. This was the first artist that had a conversation with me uh, and, and pushed me. It was the first I say, artist I need to paint this picture. Oh. <laughs> um, I was when I started working with Mike I was 21. I, I so was you're 21 I was, 22.
0: You you I, was, very 20,
1: I was 21 just about to turn
0: 22. Okay. You you any of us, you get that call working with Michael Jackson. That's that's just different. You done reach the top of Mount Olympus. What is
1: at that 21 at 21 by the way? Like I'm not like technically I probably would have just been graduating college, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Right? So Did that's he like pushed you. Did he push you like the minute that you walked in that door? Oh yeah. Like my first my first, now I got I gotta set it up because you gotta understand how God works in all of this, right? So this the stuff be sounding like a fairy tale, but it's a hundred percent real and it's a hundred percent truth, and it's the reason why I'm here and how I and the reason why I know it's my purpose. I'm on my mom and dad's couch, and at that time I don't live with them anymore. I'm on my own, of course, but I'm at I'm over that house and I fall asleep on that couch in in South Jersey. And I had this dream and in the dream I saw this glass studio and I looked through the glass and I could see it was Michael Jackson. I saw, I saw that red shirt that he always wore mm-hmm. through the glass and I had this dream and it was him in the glass with this red shirt on and that's all I saw and i woke up not even a few hours later the phone rings and there's a legendary songwriter on the other line by the name of Carol Bear Sager she wrote reach out and touch someone's hand she wrote the prayer she wrote so many like big big songs back in the day she used to, her husband back in the day was Burke Backrack so yep. catalog is crazy and she calls me and she says hi rodney um I don't even know who she is, really. She's like, I'm a big fan of yours. I love Say My Name. She said Say My Name was poppin' at the time. I love Say My Name. It's my favorite song. And it was a Monday afternoon, and she goes, I would love it if you would come to LA. Would you like to come to Los Angeles to write for Michael Jackson? I'm like, "What? what? I this just, is a couple of hours after you just had this dream. I just had this dream. I just had a dream. I think I told her, too. I'm like, I just had a dream. I saw Michael Jackson in the studio in the glass in my dream. She says, so you'll come? I said, yeah. I said, I said when, is this, when do you want me there? She goes, well, I got to call him to try to set it up, but I would love for you to come. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. And in that moment, I hung up the phone with her. I booked myself a ticket to L.A., I got on a plane at night. I checked myself in a hotel room and I just stayed in a hotel room for the next few days waiting for her to call me again. She called me. She called me. I let her know, of course, that I was in L.A. now. She called me on Thursday morning and she said, can you come to my home today for a writing session with myself and Michael? I go to her home in Bel Air and as I'm pulling up the driveway, she has a guest house studio to the left. And I see a red shirt through the glass. And I'm like, and man, in that moment, man, I kind of teared up. I ain't gonna front, man. I ain't gonna be all hard because we on on your show, bro. (laughs) I kind of teared up and was like, God, you just too, you too, you too real to me, man. You too like your presence is crazy to me that you would literally show me this four days ago. And now I'm here in it. And and when I walked in the studio with Michael. I was super nervous at first. like my whole swag was different. It's crazy. <laughs> and I worked And I worked with Whitney, I worked with I worked with everybody but but Michael's presence was completely different and and we talked a, we talked a while and then I started playing the piano and I wasn't really set up to do tracks the way I do. It was more so like me on the piano. she had a guest at her piano and we was writing. And then I looked at Michael and I said, um, I said, man, I would love to continue to work on, on ideas for you. And he goes, I would love that. What do you need? He said, what do you need? I said, man, I just need a studio out here and I need to have my crew out here with me. And he goes, done. And all I know is like the next day, my whole team was flown out and he gave us this studio and I locked in with him for like two years straight. Like I never, looked, I never looked down. Nah, I no, I locked him with two two years straight. Um man, like it was the most amazing. So you experience.
0: really had the opportunity to know and work with Michael. Mike was the
1: homie. I took wow. Michael, I, I rolled Michael around Manhattan in my Bentley with the top down. Picked him, picked him up from his crib in Manhattan, told, called him on the phone and said, I'm outside. He said, What are you doing? And I said, Come on, we're gonna take a ride. He said, where are we going? I said, we're just going to take a ride. I want you to hear Hot 97. I just want to take you around, around the city. He goes, okay, let me go get my security guard. I said, no, no security guards. It's you and I. He hopped into Bentley. And at first he looks timid like he never did this. <laughs> and then he get into Bentley. I turn on Hot 97. I never get what, what came on. It was the Jairo and Janet Blackstreet record or whatever. comes on the radio and he turns it up. And we ride now, and he's going crazy in the, in the passenger seat, like this, as we ride through Manhattan. Is that, that one the, of your fondest memories of him? Nah, my, my fondest memory was him calling my house up. I'm in South Jersey. He's in his apartment in New York. And he calls my house up like 9 o'clock at night and says, um, I was wondering if your mother would make me some peach cobbler.
0: Get out of here.
1: Yeah, because we used to talk about his mom cooking and my mom cooking. And I was like, Mike love I was like, my mom makes a cold peach cobbler. He was like, That's my favorite dessert. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and so he calls like nine o'clock and he says, Can 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 your mom make me some peach cobbler? And I said, Yeah, I, I could tell her to make some peach cobbler. Um, I said, well, you want me to bring it up tomorrow or whatever? He's like, No, I want it now. And I was like, I was like, Mike, I live like two and a half hours away from the city, it's like nine o'clock right now. It'll be 11, 30, 12. I said, by the time she makes it be past midnight. That I, he said, no, don't come. I'll come to you. Give me the address. And I gave him the address. Called my mom. She, she you know, my mom can't just make peach collar. She had to make the whole dinner, the whole nine. Next thing you know, it was me, my family, my crew, all of us at my crib with Michael at like two o'clock in the morning, his kids, and we eating peach cobbler and dinner.
0: Playing, Are you
1: serious? Playing video games, playing pool, yeah. Please and, tell
0: me you got some video, behind the scene photos or
1: something of that moment. Of course, but I can't, you know, we got all of that. Oh. But I, listen, man, I can say this. As many moments, I, many stories like that I could tell of, 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 of Michael, right? But the thing that stood out to me more than anything was him pushing me and teaching me why he pushed me. He taught me things about the publishing business that I didn't know and didn't understand he taught me he taught me so much he I always say like man i got i got a little bit of michael barry gordy and quincy all in one because he got them so i got them too yep. and anybody he, he pushed bro like he was different with the push the michael would be on the phone 3 30 in the morning be like play me a beer 3 30 mark be like i'm at the house he'd be like go to the studio get Up, go to the studio, play a beat, and Mike listen to it on the phone and be like, Can you turn the hi hats
0: down two DVDs? Hold on, we o- over the phone. He can hear hi hat over the phone. Mike could do oh,
1: stuff. Mike could do stuff. If you ever watched the This Is It, I don't know if you watched that. Of anybody, I did. Watched that, I did. You, it, Mike would have dancers behind them and tell them they're off without even looking at them. He'd be like, You to the <laughs> left, you all, you remember that, right? Yeah, you yep. all so and so. He felt he felt stuff differently, man in the studio. He was he was just different. He recorded vocals like he was in, on stage. like he was on stage. It would be times that he would like lose and get lost in the moment and he would dance for like two minutes straight in the booth. He would just start dancing and you'd be like, "This is crazy. Oh Michael Jackson is like giving me a concert right now. But I had, I had to keep, I had to keep my, my sanity. In a way of um, staying confident as the producer and not becoming such the fan, right? Because he 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 literally made me his engineer at the time when we worked in New York. There was no engineer. I had to push all the buttons. I had to learn all that stuff on the fly. So it was like he, you know, so I was I was man I was in the moment like yo, and then he would jump into like Michael on stage, and I'd be like, oh,
0: whoa.
1: You know what I'm saying? And then, and then okay, got to get back to recording though. You know what I'm saying? So all of these things played out. And and then he was a given, he was the most given artist that I ever worked with. He was like, yo, he was like, won't you take a break and take your whole team and, and whoever you want to invite, won't you all go to Neverland and just, and have a ball. And I like literally had a bus, a bus pick up all my friends. And we all went and like, I mean, Neverland was like going to Disneyland, right? Everything's there. You can imagine. Like it was an incredible amusement park. And we and we had it to ourselves, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, two o'clock in the morning bumper car rides, <laughs> he was, music blasted. You know what I mean? Like just anything you wanted. Like, it was a, it was amazing, man. Like working with him was the different. It was different, bro. It was different.
0: Yeah. So, so he's
1: definitely. I, I, miss, I miss Michael. I miss. I miss the person. You know what I mean? That person that I that that I I, remi- I miss the conversations. I miss the moments of when the world was going against him and he felt the world was totally against him. I, I remember him calling and say, I just need you to pray for me. And I remember him calling and say, can you call your dad and have him, can you call him and get him on the three way? I want him to pray for me. I remember these, all of these moments when he was going through that trial period in 2003 and, and, he, and he's, I just need prayer. I need prayer. Like, so you got to understand, I knew a different Michael. I didn't know what everybody, I started to learn. I started to know Michael Jackson, the person, and not just the artist. The human being. Yeah, the human being, man. And he was a great heart. The dude had a heart of gold, bro. Like he was sincere, like a, a real sincere guy who had a heart of gold but had a love and passion for music. And winning, that's out of this world, out of this world. And you like, why? You've accomplished everything. There's nothing for you to accomplish, nothing. And he, but he, he would say stuff that you'd be like tripping off, and he'd be like, "I just, I, I, I have to, I have to sell a billion
0: albums. I have to sell a billion. So even at that level, a billion albums, like Mike, Michael Jackson is top of the charts, top of the world. He's an, he, he's a living icon, and he still had that competitive spirit that. It ain't over. I I, I, I got to do better than Thriller. I got to do better than... How about
1: this? How about there were so many times where I would walk into the lounge and he would literally be studying Jackie Wilson. James, wow. James Brown. And I'd be like, what you doing, Mike? And I'm like, he'd be like, I'm studying. And I'm like, you studying? Hey, you don't got to study no more. He said, you never get too old for studying. Like, those nuggets stick with me. And that's why I study to this day. Because what That's the thing, they, you know, song. I saw all of that. I saw it, man. Firsthand, I saw it.
0: Just before we wrap this thing, and I'm great that you put a humanity around Michael Jackson, the icon, because there's so many stories and there's so much that has been in the press about him. I love the fact that you took a moment to really just bring us into who this man was as a human being. So I thank you for that. Yes, sir. Do you know, you're working with Michael, you're working with so many people. Do you know, I'll go back one step further, when you're creating, when you're in your, 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 your dad's basement or wherever you create, do you know when you have a hit? I
1: don't think anybody knows when they have a hit, you can have a feeling. Like, you know, like I've had feelings where I'm like, yo, this feels like it's gonna be one of them ones. You know, we talk talking you, about you, this. You, you, you know, know we think, we got one, you know when you're like, we got one. You do know that? Yeah, because it, it resonates in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart. Something's different is 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 happening now. You still gotta wait to see if the world is gonna react to the way you reacted to it. To, mm-hmm. You don't make music for yourself. You make music for everybody else. And but in my moments, I've been able to call a lot of my hits. In my moments, you have been in my yeah. In my moments, for sure. I've I've definitely been in moments in the studio where it's like I got another one. I got another one. Like I feel it. Like you feel like you feel it differently. It's a certain feeling that takes over you. Again, goes back to what I was saying. You know, it's standing out. You know, it's standing out. You might have did three beats today you might have did five beats today you might have did 10 beats all week but there's this one that's that's hitting differently it's 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 doing something
0: different okay did you ever make a beat write a song and you were like eh it's good it's sellable but it turned out to be a monster oh yeah
1: wow um let me give you one story and, and this is, and and what turned out to be a monster that took me to get out of my own way and mm-hmm. challenge my and challenge myself. I had just got back from London working with the Spice Girls. My first session, and I'm, well, I'm, I'm in. I'm, let, me, let me take that over. I'm in London working with the Spice Girls. My last day, they want to go to a club. They take me to a club that night. There's a DJ playing a style called UK garage, two-step music. Yep. The rhythms, I never heard those rhythms. I'm from South Jersey. I don't know what that is. So when I hear it, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. It's this, this, this fast. It's this moving. It's tempo. People going crazy in the club. So my idea, I'm like, I'm taking this back to the States. So I go up to the DJ and I say, yo, can you make me a, a CD of all of, the, all of these sounds? I, I love these sounds. And he goes, yeah, he drops the CD off to my spot. I get on the plane, I'm on, I am had a Walkman on, I'm listening to all of these UK garage sounds and I'm getting super inspired. Like, I'm gonna bring this back to America. It's gonna be my next sound. I'm about to change the game again. I get to America in a session. My first session when I get back is with Destiny's Child. Um, so We all in the studio and LaShawn Daniels, God rest his soul, he was on the phone with his, his, his baby mama at the time. And they were arguing about something, and he said, "Just say my name. Say my name. There's nobody's there. Say my name." And I was like, "Yo, get off the phone, Stizzy. Get off the phone. That's the song. Let's go. Let's go." And uh, we went in the studio, and I cooked up this beat, which was UK garage. It was very up tempo, very fast, very distracting, a lot going on. It it wasn't that, it wasn't that um, it was genius. It was probably really bad because I wasn't from the UK, and I hadn't um, studied it long enough to understand exactly what they were doing, right? But I thought I did. I -hmm. thought it was dope. Mm -hmm. So when Destiny Child walks in to hear the song, they're liking the song, but they're not really reacting to the beat. But they go in the booth and they sing the song. Matthew knows, the whole crew, they didn't like the beat. The label nobody liked the beat. I'm not. I'm like y'all are tripping. This is gonna change the world. This is a new sound. Da da, da 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 This is gonna. And I'm like, yo, they don't even know what this is. They don't even know what this is. This is the next sound. I'm really trying to sell it. Fast forward to this time to mix the song. I'm in the studio with John Marie Horvat, the engineer. I walk in to mix the song. He presses play. I listen to it one time down, and I look at John Marie and I go. Oh, this joint is whack. <laughs> he, he said, What? I was like, I don't feel it. He's like, What do you mean? I was like, I, I think I understand what they talk about. Like, this beat is distracting. It's really, it's horrible. And he goes, What do you want to do? I was like, I'm gonna go to the Beverly Center. I'll be back in like three or four hours. When I get back, I don't want to hear anything but the but the vocals. I don't want to hear. I went back to 17 year old Rodney, the remix Rodney. And I said, let me, let me remix my own joint. And so when I walked back in, fresh ears, all I heard was acapella, and then I redid the track. And that track is, that track is what you hear today. That track won me the Grammy. That track, that track ended up helping them to sell somewhat like 16 million albums or something, right? So sometimes you gotta get out your own way to, to, for something to be successful. I was in my own way, my own feelings in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But then I took a step back and listened to it, and also took the advice of people, without them even knowing, in that moment. It wasn't like I was on the phone with them, but I said, man, too many people said this was wrong. I'm not right this time. I'm not right this time. It's time to redo this. And and that was that moment, man. And that that became one of my favorite productions, favorite stories of my whole career, because I know what it was and what it became. You know what I mean? I know what
0: I still- well, I love the fact <laughs> that you had humility in that moment to accept that maybe I don't know it all. To, to accept the fact that, look, everybody can't be saying the same thing and I'm right. No, sometimes you gotta take a step back and get out of your own way and understand, look, if everybody is telling you that this thing walked like a duck, quack like a duck, and I'm calling it a chicken, Nah, by the way, can't be wrong. By the way,
1: it wouldn't have been a single if, if, if I would have left it the way it was. Wow. It was the third single. It was the third single off that record. It wouldn't have been a single with that track. I, 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 I'll stand by that. It would not have been a single. And you you and, and if it? And if it would have been a
0: single, it would have bricked. To this moment, and this is uh, my last question for you. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Maybe we stumbled on it with Michael. My production my
1: my 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 greatest greatest production of all time is by far my four children. My two boys, my two boys and two girls. That's my greatest production. Um when I when I look in their eyes (laughs) and I and I see myself and their mother, that's my greatest production. Um because that's the gift that's gonna keep giving. Um, musically, I don't know. I can't tell you that. I don't feel like I've done it yet. To put it like that. I got to keep going. I still got a long way to go. Do you ever go back and listen? To, listen to any of your music? Um, recently I've, I've been I've been listening to some stuff just because you know people have been talking about verses and the battles and all that stuff. So recently I went back and like pulled up some stuff just to listen and and and, and you know. See, I, I try not I try not to stay in that because mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to ever feel like I'm in a shrine or something. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to keep evolving and you got to keep on thinking about what's next and that's how you have longevity. So I'm 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 completely honored and blessed to have the career that I had, but I feel like there's still so much more left in the tank. Yes, and there's and there's movies to do and there's TV shows to do. It's like Quincy set the bar too high for us to be satisfied.
0: Whoo! That's right. Yeah. That is so right. Yeah. For anybody listening or watching this, where can they find you?
1: you find me at
0: Rodney Jerkins. Oh, that's my handle at Rodney Jerkins. And that across all platforms? All platforms. Rodney, it has been my honor. It has been my pleasure. I love the fact that you were so transparent and you were so given in this interview. You are a true Power Move maker. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, my brother. God bless. I appreciate you, brother. All right, bro. What's up, guys? Thanks for sticking with me to the end of the video. Truly appreciate you. If you like anything you heard here today, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you know anybody that can benefit from this message, feel free to share. Peace and love.